ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, Terramaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. GPR Stabilizer, a leader in steering dampener technology, brings you the new Q5 Sport ATV damper with better control and handling with an upgraded vane and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talks Hey everybody, it's Leonard Duncan here with ATV Talk. We have a special guest in studio today. You know that we don't do in studio very often. Ricky Johnson came to sit down with us. This is kind of a story of origin and his beginnings with Danny Duncan, who's also here with us, and Lauren Duncan, my brother, because they were the same age and they did some racing together. So we're going to talk about Ricky's beginnings and the introduction with Danny Duncan and the relationship with the Duncans and Duncan Racing. So, Ricky, how you been? I've been fantastic. It's been over 30 years since I've been back to this hollow ground. Um, <laughs> but I remember, like it was yesterday, turning off of lost coaches, coming up the narrow driveway, navigating our, our way back in there, and unloading my bikes with my dad, and, you know, and then roll it in and excited about how it's going to come out, how much faster, you know, fixing the different stuff. And, um, and then, as I said, watching, watching what you guys have done. I mean, I look back to that photo of us. I think that was up at, up at uh, Orange County or something like that. And you were a little kid. And we were all little kids. Yeah. And um, what, what, how, how you guys have taken what your dad started and made an unbelievable business out of it. So we've all kind of gone our different eclectic ways, but come down to it. We're a bunch of little white trash kids from East County. <laughs> I'd like to go fast. You know what I mean? <laughs> you guys never been. did mind. <laughs> well, he was an original bad boy. Uh, well, yeah. I all forgot all about the bad boy stuff. Uh, you yeah, you, you brought that on the scene. You were the guy. <laughs> well, I have just had to do something that was a little different. A little different, but yeah. So let, let's go back in time and talk about that first time you met Danny. So I was, my very first race, uh, motocross race, I did a couple of TTA, one at Dehisa, and one up in Elsinore, and just got demolished. I was just, I got my ass kicked so bad, it wasn't even funny. But I, I loved it. Like were you about eight, nine? Yeah, so actually that was seven and eight, so I did a couple of TT races, then and we walked away from it. 
have been a friend of mine, a friend of my sister's, Mike Hannon, Hannah, not no reason Bob Hannah, the two streets up, we ride bicycles together, says, oh, they got motocross races out at four corners. And he says, so I'm like, dad, can we go? So we went there. I was on my GT80 with TT bars, no front, no front brake and all this. Now my ass whipped. And so my dad, that's when the XR75s came on the scene. And then everybody was on XRs, including Steve Walker. And I think Steve he might not have had an XR. No, he did. He had the fat tank XR. The SL. Yeah. I had the SL. Steve had an XR. The XRs came out in 75. Yep. And uh, like this photo here, um, you're on an XR. Yep. I'm still on an SL. Yeah. And I don't know what Lenny's on and Steve's on an XR because the, the XRs were with the Taj Mahal there. Oh, they were. Because Yamaha hadn't put theirs out yet. <laughs> no, they had, they had started messing around with that. And so we went down to Valley Honda. My dad got me an XR. And I, before that, I remember walking into Valley Honda and Steve's SL70 was there. With straight pipe or a hooker header on, I can't remember. With the, desert, the, desert, the desert scene, all, I think McCoy did it. He was like the hot shoe painter back in yeah. the call. And I looked at that bike and I just thought, oh my God, who's that lucky kid that gets to race this, you know? And uh, so then we got the bike and my dad had the Warnthals that said, you know, who, who does this and that? And, and so, we walked, so we walked down the parts counter into the back, into this maze of of motorcycles and triumphs and all this crazy shit. And here's Dan, your dad. And uh like, so that's the guy, you know, and just smells like oil, just your right. epitome of a, yeah. of a of a of a hot rod guy. Yeah. And 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 then I'm looking on the wall and there's pictures of you racing flat track at Ascot, right? Different different places. Yeah, don't ask about the different places. Yeah, I just I remember seeing the black and white photos of you, you know, race. I think it was Triumph back then. Yeah, and the the different stuff. And I'm thinking because, I mean, I've been on any Sunday kid. Oh, so when yeah. I saw that movie, that changed my life. Yep. You know, and so I immediately had respect for you as a racer. But then I remember seeing the Malcolm Smith, how he work on his bikes, and so there's those those certain few that could race on them. Work on what you guys have that. No. I don't. <laughs> I race them. I focus on racing them. Well, you made up. <laughs> yeah. You know, so 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 that, and then as I said, from building my XR sixties, my XR eighty fives, my all my stuff, the things were were awesome. My, my dad trusted your dad with, with all my shit. It's just like he was doing your Yamaha support stuff before you got the full factory, right? Yeah. I remember that, and you would hear Dad bring up Yamaha parts. Yeah. How many years did you have the support ride before you took over to the full factory? I started, well, I had my Brock Lover support ride. So <laughs> I would go, <laughs> I go right here. So I was 13 or 12, and Brock was 16 when he won his first championship. And so I then. I had a, you know, this is all the different drama we talked about. Your dad and I were talking about all the, all, the, all the crazy crap with the, with the dads and wanting to fist fight and all that kind of stuff. So Brock let me ride one of his bikes. So which was Carlsbad. I was 12. We were the junior class. I had so much fun because it had big wheels. I could go faster through the holes. And I was a little guy still. And then. So that would have been a 125. Yeah, 125. And so I'm like, this is great. My dad's like, well, like the TT conversation that he had with me. We can't do both. I can't afford having mini bikes and that's what we're going to do. I said, sell the mini bikes. Give me 125. So that's when we started. So right after that, 
I was I, in three months. I went from junior to pro. So that, I'm giving you the long answer to your to your short question. At 13, in 13, 14, you were already a professional. Yeah, I turned like right. I just turned thirteen, and I won the hundred. Remember when Yamaha came up those little hundreds? Yep. So Yamaha said, "Oh, you're in the yeah. you're in intermediate class. We'll put you in that." I destroyed everybody. And I got a picture of me holding the trophy. It's like this big, and that was my last one. I had to hand in my card because I pointed out because I raced South Bay on Wednesday night. I raced Saturday Saddleback, and then I do the the CMC that Carl's daughter saddle saddleback back and forth. So in three months, you know, I pointed out. So then also blue, I got my ass kicked. Second race, I think I got third. Fourth race, I won the junior class. Then went to the intermediate. Same thing. The mass went. Then then went to pro because you just there was so much talent. Your acceleration when you got on big bikes was just way. Yeah, it smoked through. It just seemed easy because I rode with men all the time. Murray Hoffman. Ron Turner, Brock Lover, they all burned out mini bikes. I know you built a bunch of those pit bikes for the guys. Yeah. They all, they all, all the top pros had those things. So they, same with Jimmy Johnson's dad, we go over to their house and you have a flat track and I, these guys are drinking and partying and stuff like that. They throw me out in the middle of these guys. I'm banging bars for them. <laughs> and so it's like when I raise kids, it's like, this is simple. These guys are a little fragile, you know? So I got supported from Yamaha on the on the 100, and then I couldn't race it because they wouldn't let me race the pro class on the 100 because they said it was illegal because it has smaller wheels. It was easier for me to ride. So I'm like, okay, Yamaha, I, what do you want me to do now? I can't, I can't race it anymore. And so that's when they put me on the support program. I was 13, started testing for Yamaha. My mom would drive up to Sunrise Cycle Park and sit there and make, I think, a 50 bucks a day or something like that. And I go test bikes all day long. Mm-hmm. I thought it was the best 50 bucks of my life. But yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you get to be paid to go do what you love. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Maybe tough. How did school work back then with you well, traveling so much for a race? You had to go there. Like, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's informative because well, now they, they, the kids nowadays get their ass busted by the school constantly. Well, and Here's the thing. There's a lot of people that lie about school. You know, there's a lot of... There's a, because you guys know. You, you guys, as I said, you guys have the brain to... The mechanical brain and the racer brain, which there's not a lot that have that. The I think the really good racers are a little bit off, like myself. Like, I, I still, to this day, I struggle with reading. I struggle with spelling. I just... I don't see the world in words. So, like, when you say dog, I picture a dog. I don't picture D-O-G. You know what I mean? When, so, when you say something, I got a very, very vivid mind on, on visualization. Now, now, be that kid that visualizes everything and have them try to teach you in school. So, I struggled. Like, like I was the dumb kid in class. And, I, and I, it wasn't until probably my 40s that I realized I'm not dumb. I'm just, I don't learn the way other people learn. Right. Like, I can see something, and that's why I excel in bikes. I can... I can see anybody do anything one time. Okay. And then do it. Yeah. It's the scariest triple. I see someone do it. Okay. It's doable. And I see, and I, I can hear what he did. I can see what he did. I can see how hard he pulled, how, when he got on the gas, and I can just, just mimic it. And you do Right. And so then, then you, you, you just do it. So when it came to school, I struggled so bad and I, and I got terrible grades and I didn't apply myself. You know, <laughs> Have we ever, you guys ever heard of that one? Oh, yeah. yeah. If Lauren would just apply himself, he would be a great well, student. He was, the, he was the good student. I was the one that needed the applying. Uh, 
And, uh, yeah, but you might could have used a little more application. <laughs> so my senior year came, and I was racing. I already had a factory contract, and I was training, doing something. The next thing I know, two weeks go by, and someone calls me and says, where, where the hell are you at? I go, what do you mean? He goes, that a car. You know, I was going practicing and doing my stuff. I was trying to live the life that Brock Lover was living, but he had already graduated and was, you know, doing his thing. It says, school's been going on for two weeks and you're nowhere around. I'm like, oh, shit. I'm a high school dropout. And I'm like, if I, I just did a real quick map, if I go back and apply myself, I'm still going to fail. I'm not going to be able to graduate and all that stuff. I just didn't have the credits or the points and stuff. I just go, no plan B. I better haul ass on a motorcycle. And so, so I'm ashamed of it, but I'm not going to buy it. I'm not going to go, oh, I got my GED. I, I'm, believe it or not, I'm gonna try, I'm, that's my goal before I'm 60 to go get a high school equivalency test. I know, I know the woman that, that teaches all the kids and everything like that. Right now, Jeff Evans is the oldest one to, to, get, to get his high school diploma, but I'm going to get that done before because it's important. There's got, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things you need to learn in school by being in school that I didn't want to learn. I, I wanted to be, yeah, say, I would be lakeside sand pits and riding you know, jet skis. Yeah, chasing girls or right. you know, getting fights down with Jack and a bar, whatever, whatever it was. My, life was outside of school because life inside school for me was was terrifying and, and just embarrassing. Like when you're, when you like realize I'm the dumbest guy in class, that's like, it's it's a fear, like you get your ass whipped after school. Yeah, but you know what I think? I think I think one of the better evolutions of our society is they've been able to zero in people, yeah. and they can find a way to get that information to you. Yeah, where you're not so stressed about learning it. Right, you had to fit, you had to fit this box because there's a lot of kids that have a little blueprint like you, but they don't have Ricky Johnson, one of the greatest motocross racer down. All yeah. time skills, yeah. you know, they're just regular kids, and they're sitting in class, and they're petrified. Don't call on me. Yeah, they don't want to know. Yeah, you know, you know, that's just one thing our society can just do a little better. But I think it's better now than it was when we were kids. Yes, you know, but it could still be better. There was a way. Yeah, I don't think I fit in that box either. But maybe a little better than you. I mean, I still struggle with certain aspects of it, and I'm as being with what I consider one of the greatest mechanics of all time. And Lauren also having aptitude at it, I was blessed with being able to see something be done and then I'm good. Right. You know, the, the learning through the manual, because they were both sticklers for the manual, which is anybody, if you work on anything, use the manual. Absolutely. As, as I've grown and gotten smarter and now I can grab the manual, just like everybody else, go through it, figure out what I need. And move on because there's not, there's nobody at some point in time in your career to teach you how to do it. You have to figure it out. Yeah. And for you guys, you remind me a lot of Steve Johnson. Like Jim Johnson started Johnson's Bug Machine. You know, and yeah, I, yeah, I remember yeah. when, because I grew up with Steve and I remember Steve was 13 or 14 down there cleaning cylinders and we're working on it just like you guys. You, you, you know, came out work with your dad. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, how cool is that? I remember cylinders. Cylinders. the yeah. delivery guy over there going to Johnson's. They were on Mission Gorge. Yeah. No, right there on... Uh, no, it was uh, Magnolia. 
Well, yeah, yeah the, the, the little one on Magnolia, yep, right next yep. to Vase. Yep, yep. Vase yep. was kind of back <laughs> it was, there. It was Vase. Vase is under 52 now. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, it's, yeah. But yeah, I know. I remember what you were both of us were there. There was talking about the, the fact that if you could see something being done, it's in my career early on, they didn't uh, they didn't have YouTube or something to get it. If I could get a picture of something, I could duplicate it. Yeah. But I was never good with a clean sheet of paper. I needed some writing on it with a, a picture. Yeah, he doesn't do Google. He's good YouTubes. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, he, wants a, he wants a YouTube. See somebody do it, then he can figure out a better way to do it. So let me ask you this question. I told you I'm going to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, so, Danny, you, you grew up as a racer, but did you just tinker with the bikes? How did, how did you make the transition from being a racer to, I think, to be a lead tuner in Southern California? Well, when I started racing, I didn't have any money. And I needed to fix the bike and I couldn't do it. So uh, one particular case, a friend of mine, uh, we needed to put a wristband bushing in the, you know, in, and uh, he told me, well, you roll up those paper and you just keep going like so and then the, the hole gets bigger and you can put the pin in. And I thought, that may work, but then it just doesn't sound right. So I made me a fixture and I reamed the hole and I went and got another bushing. Uh, then one time I had to split the cases and I'd never done it. So I went up to the Yamaha shop uh, Newman was in, in town and uh, was right late, late 50s. Uh, Mid 50s. Yeah, late, late, late 50s. Early, yeah, no, this was late 50s. Anyway, I see the mechanic standing at the workbench and I walked up to the back and he's got a screwdriver on each side and he's beating the screwdriver in. And I thought, I don't know anything about that, but that ain't the way you do it. Right. <laughs> so I went home and figured out how to make a puller to to pull it apart. And all the magazines at that time were showing things from the 20s. You know? Right. Well, some of those ideas worked on the later model stuff, but a, a lot of it was just uh, trial and error. The first time I pulled a side case off my my BSA fucking thing was spring loaded and shit went everywhere. And, yeah. Oops. <laughs> but that's what I was thinking. What do I do now? You know, I got to race tomorrow night. And self taught was the way, you know, that you would do things. Uh, I used to read as much as I could about the cars. And so I started. Linking that too, if it's uh, if I can make ten horsepower at five grand, I can make fifteen horsepower if I twist it a little tighter. Right. Well, when you twist it a little tighter, something breaks, and yeah. so you just got to start fixing that. So early on, it was just trial and error. I I broke a lot of things, but uh, gotta break some eggs, make it yeah, work, right? Yeah, so what? So what point did you decide? Okay, I'm done racing. My, my future is, is building. Like, what was your last race? Uh, the, 
I had, my last race was in 1970, and I was racing my uh, uh, Triumph, and uh, I hadn't raced in quite a while. And a friend of mine that was a mechanic racer uh, came over, and and he was uh, uh, says, "Why don't you let's go? Let's go out to Barona. You know, they get, got a race, so we loaded up." And uh, I'm riding a, a, a non-unit old Triumph, and this is in the 70s. He's got late model, all the fast stuff and everything. And uh, we went out to Verona, and I beat him, and he says, it pisses me off because he says, I've got all the new stuff. I'm half his age, and... and uh, this old guy beat me with old shit. <laughs> Finally tuned old shit, though. <laughs> well, like we were talking earlier, it was tuned so that you had good power coming out of the turns because you're never going to, you know, you don't run very far in fourth gear. Yeah, you, t- you touch the top. What we were talking about. First time I, <clears throat> I got a Yamaha on the 400 when it first came out. Yep. And I'm like, I got on the thing. I'm like, don't touch it. Like, I literally adjusted the handlebars. I didn't even mess with the saggers and none of that shit. I'm like, it just, because it, it's carbureted. Because I came from two strokes where they all, you had a hole somewhere. But even with the power drive, you still kind of had a hole somewhere. Yeah. And and so you had to use the clutch to get it to, to be in the right power to do what you need to do. And I got on this thing, and it just it felt like the power was perfectly linear. And I'm like, leave it alone. So then somebody's like, well, I got this exhaust for you. And I put it on like, you just killed the bottom, but now it hauls ass at the top. But I, I'd touch it one second, you know. Yeah, give me a bottom end pipe. Give, give me the rod, the rideability, all the different stuff. And that's the thing. You got to make shit drive well. Yeah. Not but you know what? That is a common theme that the lower the level rider, the, the novice, the beginner, the intermediate, they all think they just need the fastest thing in the straight line. The higher the skill level of the rider, like you and Marty Hart, you just, they're running at a much lower RPM range going faster. Yeah. Because you guys just want that predictable power and your skill set makes you go fast. And you just keep your momentum and you just see, like Bo Barron is yep. going through corners, you know, a couple thousand RPMs lower than second, third, fourth place. And they don't think they have enough power, and he's just cruising along. And he goes faster. And you just see that. It's a theme I've watched from the first time I started working on bikes. Marty Hart really touched it to me. And then when you see that, and you just see all these guys, like Supercross, you listen to the front of the guys, always had a little lower RPM than the guy in the back. was revving it harder, and he's not going anywhere. Yeah, but nowadays, you hear that deep, throaty roll out of the turn, where some of the guys generally usually at the back are da, 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 yeah. off the rev limiter. Yeah. Either they're scared to shift or they're yeah. It's just a- so so like on that, so Mike Webb, Lake Bagley went here dominant in the t- lights of the 250, 415, he's like barely making made of S. So Mike Webb had me come out with Suzuki and said, Hey, can you maybe help with some starts or something? I'm watching him. And I go, and I make a few suggestions like, okay, make sure to talk to the mom. You know, there's, there's a hierarchy that you got to go through. So I pull them aside and I said, do three laps, don't touch the clutch. Like, do not touch it. Because you're on a fuel injected 450 and you weigh 150 pounds, right? 
this all this shit you don't need it. You're not riding a, a KX eighty five anymore. Right. You know, and sure enough, he goes out there because it's so smooth, it's so predictable, he drops like two seconds on a supercross track. Two seconds. That's a lot. I'm going and probably less fatigue and less crazy. Right. And so so what they found is they they you know it's crazy now they have all the data. He was on the clutch thirteen percent of the time, like always like there. So he's not using it to accelerate. He's holding it back. Yeah, kind of as a governor. Exactly. Yeah. So to keep it from getting that hard. Hoorah! So so and then the problem is you're doing when you let the clutch out, it's in a max horsepower range. And so you're afraid of to let it go. But if you leave it off and you roll it on, like you're talking about, that smooth, that smooth roll on, you get traction and you move forward. So but how did you guys manage some of the two-stroke stuff because they like you were talking with that 400 where it got violent on top. How did you manage some it to get it more rideable so that you could have some of that roll-on power? So Yamaha was really good about it. Like our bikes, like the one-year road works bikes was 83 and they were it was a pile of shit. This thing was terrible. It was no handling, it didn't work right, the linkage was wrong, it just it just it was a terrible bike. And look, bitch, I didn't have I think they didn't do enough testing. Yeah, that, we're not testing with high caliber riders like you. Well, they had they had Hannah and Brock. They, they did, but they just didn't have the, the engineering. Like it was kind of a, it just it just wasn't right. Was the testing done in the states or in Japan? Both. It was done here and there, and then they also had the Europeans. That Danny Laporte was racing and Carl Quist, and you know you had you had people around the world, but compared to Honda's engineering, it just it wasn't good. But Yamaha, their production, because they came up with that rolling power valve. So that uh, that was the evolution of having that good roll. roll so it's run by our governor the clutch side, and it just changes the exhaust port timing. And at the same time, it changes the compression. So you go on the low RPM, you have a lot lower exhaust port timing, which gives you a lot better roll-on power, and you have more compression. And as the R's climb, the valve turns, yeah. and the port timing goes up, and the compression goes down. And then you can just rev and yeah, it's a real they still have it in the uh, very similar version of a lot of the two fifties they put out there. Well I, I think Yamaha's was best because it did that the way yeah. it rolled. You know, yeah, the, the other ones yeah. had the guillotines of the side by yeah. side and they would get sticky and, and but and they would also hit hard. So it'd be like, and we're open <laughs> and we're <laughs> close. Yeah. And the Yamaha I'd watch it, you know, and and well, the crazy thing is, is that if you put it neutral, you go, one, 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 when it, it was fine. But if someone put it in upside down, which happened to me a couple of times, I go to take off because it, it basically shuts shuts the thing down. But so that, at Yamaha, we, we always had kind of good rideable power. Yamaha always built their motors kind of square with forward stroke about the same. So they were always kind of rideable. Where Cowie was over square, they rev crazy. Honda was under square and were more throaty and torquey. The Yamaha's kind of the middle of the road. They've always just kind of done that. Yeah. But then when we went to Honda, they, the power was so good. It was just... What year did you go to Honda? 86. So when I went there, I got on this bike, and it's just like, a race bike versus... A, even though there was a production bike based, but the crank, the Honda cranks, I, I don't know what they do to them, Danny, but they were so unreal. Like, just, like the no vibration... It smooth the power out and just it's those can cranks we build all the time. Yeah. So I don't know what I don't know what they did to them, but 
Well, all the other crank manufacturers you saw in crank caps. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Honda would build like a hollow crank, but to stuff the case, they'd kind of put a casing around it like a tuna can. They still use that design in a lot of their two strokes until they go making it. Good. Yeah, they've done it for all the four wheelers, and it's just a fantastic design and reliability of them is just off the charts. I mean, you're right, I mean, you learn so much from Honda. I've always kept as a theme. I don't know really want to change from Honda or Yamaha unless there is just a super good reason to do it because you just can't beat no. the design of those things 99% of the time. So when I got the bike, the unbelievable power, there's a rider, you guys both know, you first get on, you feel that snap, you're like, oh, it's better, this is better. And I'm like, ah, I'm struggling, you know, I'm struggling because the power would hit hard. I'm over jumping jumps or under jumping jumps and this and that. So on the 250. And so then I went to Mitch Payton, who I, who I knew, and I said, come down, let's all go to pipe. So he came down with a hacksaw, gas welder, and like five pipes. We cut this and cut that. I'm like, well, it's going to draw a little graph in the dirt. I'm like, it has a little hole like right in here, right? And I'm doing the rap rap, you know, you know, talking back and forth. And so he's like, okay, so he goes over, hacksaws this, puts that on there, <laughs> does this, does that. Sure. And and I went out on my super crush track, which was super slick. I didn't have water. You know, Brock and I had it on Davis Ranch out there. And I'm like, that's the one. And so he went back and created, you know, how to mock it up and make a stamp of it. And then I, then because I, I got beat at Anaheim, and then, <clears throat> then I crashed. It, I was leading and crashed at uh, Houston, and that's when I said, I got to do something different. Just the power's hitting right at, at the vital time. And I'm either, I mean, I'm going to have to go a 60, uh, you know, 60% on the clutch. If I go 62, I overjump. If I go 59, I underjump. You know what I mean? So I'm like, it's too, too, much too, too sketchy. Yeah. yeah. And, and um, <clears throat> so that's when we did that. I came back and I won San Diego, and then I won Seattle. And so then I started winning. And then Johnny and David for those tracks went to went to the post circuit pipe because it made it that more power and I could come through the corner and it wasn't you know like wasn't like throwing my body off and you have to think too much and this I could just twist it on and, and come off the corners. But when we go to sand or Daytona or outdoors, I ran the you're not gonna beat HRC stuff. No. <laughs> Was the development with Honda, when you guys would go and would they create the parts like that the same way, or would they already have pre-made stuff for you to ride? Pre-made. So I would just uh, Yamaha. I would get a pre-production bike, or you know, one of the first ones. I go, Brock and I would go practicing, ride and stuff like that. Then we go up to the test, and they would put the parts on, and, and they go. So I, I have my Honda, and I'm doing. I go to a place called Honda Land up in up in Simi Valley, and. <clears throat> I see him roll out Johnny's brand new bike and David's brand new bike, and I'm like, no, oh, man. You know, I got to wait for them to rebuild my practice bike, and all of a sudden they roll mine out. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then they, then they're like three cylinders and like four pipes, and then triple clamps, and uh, I mean, they had everything. And so when you rode for Honda at that era, and I still think today they're, they're still really strong, but I mean, I'm like, as a kid mechanic, so I'm like, I can't believe this is all. For me too. And I know the factory stuff they made for the for the three wheelers and four wheeler team, and it was just you know different primary drive gear ratios, you know, just things that you just wouldn't make. Right. You know, just I can imagine what they did for the three wheelers. Yeah. I just can imagine. 
You might what they did for the road race teams. Well, <laughs> yeah, and the, the car guys. That's that's the one thing about Honda that I, I I was fortunate enough to get to meet Mr. Honda one time. The one almost every damn Japan Supercross fell down, got the whole shot, raining, fell down the first lap, came back, got second. He was so pissed. He like he left and got drunk that night. But um, people don't realize when Honda started within fifty years of the company starting, they dominated everything. You think about that. From Formula One, IndyCar, flat track. Remember, Gene Romero started, started the team. They, they outlawed the 750. They wouldn't let him do that with Bob Schoeder, Ricky Grant, and stuff. Road racing, superbike racing, motocross, quads, thrillers. I mean, they dominated everything that, that they ever decided that, that they wanted to do. And that's what company's done that. Honda's <laughs> well, just delivered top notch, they the top. Yeah. Yeah, I wish they would, I wish they were still the same organization now. I mean, they're still good, but they're not the same. What's well, a business, Larry? Yeah, business. You know, they're bigger, better things than we're working on pure bikes all the time. Or I know well, they build jets and now. As, and as, as everything gets better, it's harder to get better. It's already so damn good. Yeah, but you know, honest, still kept their quality up, and they they, they still are up. To, I mean, look at their UTVs. It's just such a better quality than the it's competitive. Maybe not as crazy with a turbo and all that, but just the quality of a Honda talent compared to the yeah. average. Yeah, the way how you sit it and drive it. Yeah, the door shuts and, and it <laughs> shuts a thousand times later. It still shuts. And yeah, the whole thing, the transmission. It's just it's a Honda, right? And that's kind of all. It's a Honda. But Honda did get complacent. It did watch, and I and I watched it in my in my era because. Like that first first year, like I said, three cylinders, six pipes, this and that. Next year, one cylinder, two pipes. This is the next one, got a carburetor. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, you're you're giving me less, you're you're coming at this less and less. Because they were dominant. They dominated everything. And, and then you watched. Honda's just now starting to climb their way back. You know, they they've never they've, they've never gone back to the dominance that they had. I mean, well, something. Yeah, no, but I, not motocross or supercross. Well, when Jeremy rode for them, they were pretty dominant. And oh, Carmichael did some good stuff for them, too. Well, everybody. So when did you stop riding? 91. Because I remember seeing you at the Egg Dome in Tokyo. Yeah. Your wrist was bad. It was my last race. Yep, because you got the, didn't you get the whole shot and you let it for five or six laps mm-hmm. and then your wrist, it almost, if they yeah. had video, they could have seen it just like. Yeah, it was coming off the Yeah, because I was there. Because they had a quad race at yep. the same time. And I remember it was, everybody thought you could do it. And then your wrist just said you couldn't do it. Yep. That was, so I raced that race, came home. That was my last professional supercross race. That was it. Sad day. Yeah. You were kicking ass to your wrist, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Me and Matasovich got into it. Like, I wanted to get, got him back later in the bet race. It's <laughs> 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 a good day in the dirt. But yeah, so with you guys, I'm going to start with you, Lauren. How? At what age did you decide? Because, like I said, we grew up together, you know, on XR75s, doing this, doing that. When did you decide that you wanted to follow in your dad's footsteps? It's kind of a weird deal. Um, we raced, and then when we were, it was so hard for my dad to build everybody's bikes like yours and Steve's and, and, and Scott Meyer and all those guys. And uh, I remember we were at Indian Dunes, and I had two or three bikes, and it was just killing it. I did care of the stuff. And I'd been playing football during that 
so I kind of stepped away from racing, you know, and, uh, around the time that you were just taking off and started focusing on playing football. Playing football, and it was a little easier for my dad. He just come and watch, you know, and he was still working 60, 70 hours a week. Yeah. You know, running valley, working at the shop. So played football, and then he moved down to Prospect, and he was uh, running Danny's Machine Works there, and I was working for him a lot. Um, How old were you then? Oh, I sort of, I was working there in high school, you know, yes. 15, 16, I was working there and uh, played football, played a couple years at junior college, and I was going to go to Chico State, and then he just wasn't feeling so good. It just didn't work out, and I ended up just staying there and running Danny's Machine Works, and then uh, I went and did the Nationals for three-wheelers, Brian Fuller, Laverteer, we had six in the nation, and Marty won the championship, and then Honda kind of shuffled their deal. And I'd met Marty a few times, and I got hooked up with Marty at the end of 86. And uh, I met Marty, and then I met Paul. And then my dad, sure. decided, my dad decided to step away from it. Um, and I, that's why we switched the name to Duncan Racing. And I was Marty's mechanic, and, and I, me and Paul hit it off really good. And, and I would say me and Marty didn't hit it off real good, but we had a good, solid relationship. He knew that I was going to be doing whatever I said, and I knew he would. And over time, it's just been a tremendous relationship. But I was so lucky. I'd already had my foundation from my dad. Then I meet Marty Hart. His time was just professional, plus the fastest guy. Yeah. And then I meet Paul Turner, who's where he taught me to make how to make digital pipes. That's yeah, a smart yeah. guy. He's the smartest freaking guy that ever looked at these things. Yeah. Everybody has no ego. No, that's like no ego at all. I never assumed who was who was. No, he's so smart. And he kind of took me under his wing. And in a short amount of time, I started running the distribution for all his stuff. He hated it. Right. I can remember going to his house up in Colorado. And he's, he's like a mad scientist. Well, I made all mice. Yeah. He was just working on the rock shops there. And he made the first ones out of epoxy. And he he hands me his checkbook and it had like 4,700 carbons in there. He hadn't balanced it. (laughs) He goes, we'll help here. Because he didn't care about money. You know, he just cared about making parts. But he was so smart and just right where my dad's knowledge was here, Paul's was here, and I was able to just put them together. Because Paul didn't care about rebuilding the crank ride or making sure the paddings or he didn't care about that. He was one that go fast. You know, he taught me about pipes and boarding and really just. It was just a tremendous, that I was in the right place at the right time. And this tough racing took on. And then I remember Paul came to me, I was either 88 or 89, and he said, I want to go with Steve Simons. I want to do rock shots. And uh, you got this? And I said, yeah, I'll cover it all. And we uh, kind of absorbed the culture of brand into Duncan Racing. We still use it today. I would never change it because Paul, even though we've, we've took it a long way, but it was just, it's, it's a, he was the founder of that brand. He made the, all those initial designs, and, and uh, I'm proud to leave his name on there and, and sell those products. And, 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 you know, I got him on the other side, and you know, he's the founder of our company. And then when he came in 90, he came That's what I worked. I worked for Dad, uh, pre Dad wanted to step away. Um, and at the time, there, there was not a ton of it was struggle to make we were money. Yeah, I mean, you just you just weren't making a lot of money at that time, and um, I had an opportunity to go work for a construction company, and I did, and it, 
89, there was some disruption in the economy. It rolled into 90, uh, mid-90. I called Laura on the phone. Um, I think you were getting ready to go on vacation, which never happens. You know, and when I need him to be here, he's on vacation or getting ready to go. And um, we agreed to meet the day he came back. Um, and th- this is this is iconic for me as far as because I still use this line to so many people. The day I started working for Lauren full time, um, he said, remember this. I know nothing and you know less. And as long as we run the company that way, we will always excel. And to this day, I still believe that that is true because we learn so much all the time, whether it be chassis setup, whether it be how he develops the engines or how to deal with your customers. There's so much growth and development all the time. Um, I couldn't be more blessed. I'm not an engine builder and I've never wanted to be the guy porting cylinders or figuring out the compression ratio. Um, I always wanted to be the guy that put the bike together. Right. Um, do I love working on the engines? Oh yeah. When I get an opportunity to do that, it's, 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 it's super fun. Yeah. But I don't stress over it the same way he does because it's not my priority. It's not my main job. Right. Putting a machine together, you know, you get that engine, you put it in the frame, you do the, the custom things that you do to a frame, and then you you start installing the, the A-arms and the swing arm, and you're just setting this machine up. Your quad needs a lot more chance. <laughs> yeah. You're just yeah. yeah. You're... you're you're, you're developing this work of art and some of the systems that I've learned of how to put them together was from dad. Some of it was from Lauren. And I've been blessed as a, as a builder to have the same engine guy forever. Right. And it's easy. Oh yeah. And <laughs> let so me know when it's done. Yeah. Well, and the, and the reliability that was built into it, you know, there's a lot of guys that do a lot of great work, make a lot of great horsepower, and you can't discount those guys in any way, shape, or form. But as far as when it comes to just sheer reliability, I've been so blessed because I can pull them out of the box. I know what jetting to put in them. I know how to assemble everything. We put it together. We fire the thing off, and 99 out of a out of a hundred times, right. maybe a hundred out of a hundred times, it fires, runs, and does exactly what you want it to do. I learned a lot of that from Paul. Like you talked about the testing. I can remember I somewhere I have a huge crate full of cylinders. Right. The test. I remember we made the read cage. We probably made twenty. I I said I I've got probably twenty pipes and you know, he would just have a design and make it up and test it. I remember the first time I could test it all. And I'm I'm putting it all back together, we changed something, and I'm tightening every little bolt. He's just like, What the heck are you doing? <laughs> And he goes, we'll do it. We need to get it back on the pipes. We're just zip tying. We throw one pipe spring on there. We can just make it so he's not going to hurt himself, but the same race bike. <laughs> We're going to be taking the stuff off on and off all day long. Just the education. He did a lot of the tubular stuff right. before you got there. Right. He was Baz mechanic. Yeah, because we had a little, I think. Yeah, he, he just told me that he had a disagreement with the Japanese on how to do stuff. Right. So he stepped away, I think, for about a year and then came back to but just his mindset for testing, yeah, and just you know making a baseline. It's just stuff. I mean, I never would have learned. Well, and you have. You, I never would have ran across anybody that would have been able to teach that to me, right? You know, and then I'm just lucky to sit there and test with Paul and Martin. 
and Marty was such a good tester, he could tell me the difference between a hollow and a solid or axle three. Tell him about the seat heights. Well, yeah, when you built that subframe, and it was what an eighth of an inch. And yeah. He told you a quarter of an inch. <laughs> put the spacer on the wrong side of the, and it welded it on the, uh, and it was too low. And and he he come back after he tested it and told him that it was off. And I said, bullshit. <laughs> I don't build them off. Yeah. Uh, I put it all back he, together. The frames didn't have uh, removable subframes. Oh, so yeah. He built some chrome alloy ones to put on Marty's bikes. And uh, the seat height got tweaked when we put the little seat mm-hmm. rubbers and set it. And, uh, no, he was just super anal. Yeah. You know? Well, and, and having for you, you know, like goes back to what your dad was saying about you didn't have the money. So you, you made what you had work efficient and all your stuff. You kind of grew up with that. It's like, okay, how do I keep polishing what I have to do better? And Paul's like, no, we have, we have 40 things here. We're going to narrow it down to 10. And then I was always able to mix those two. Yeah. Because Paul never thought about, you know, the business right? You know, <laughs> he just didn't think, he didn't think about finishing. He just right. wanted to do the design and then move on to the next project. Yeah. And he had that foundation, you know, Todd had a true thing. You know, make sure the bearings are in. You don't beat them, and you heat them up. And, you know, just just engine assembly and engine building 101 that you combine with the performance tuning two strokes that Paul had. You know, it's just it's just good. I was just so lucky to be in the right place. Yeah, no, that's just like eclectically perfect. Did you get to see any of this stuff done to your engines or anything like that during your time? As far as seeing it, you know, like rebuilding engines. You know. I mean, they were doing it in the back of the truck, and I didn't give a shit. I, I was like, <laughs> I, I, go take a, I go take a nap. My job was to be the best racer. It, it was not to be the mechanic. You know, so testing's not a lot of fun. But I, I enjoyed it though. Like, because here's the thing is, and I still like with the, the development that I've done with the Mason all wheel drive. You know, I was the first one to drive it. I was the first one to drive it, but I did 99 percent of the testing. I would try everything from a small block to a big block to six-speed transmission to the turbo four hundreds to all this crazy stuff. And I enjoyed testing. I just I always did. But I didn't Brock would want to get caught up in the what shim stack is in the this and that. And I'm like, I, I don't have enough space for that. I'm gonna tell you exactly what it's doing, and it's your job or your job or your job yeah. to fix it. My job is to tell you where. It's coming out of the corner. It has a little bit of a bog. It has this, whatever. Well, that, that testing. I hated a tester when I sent them out to test something for me. And they come back and tell me what I wanted to hear. No, I want to hear exactly what it's fucking doing. If it's doing something wrong. Yeah, don't lie. Yeah, you defeat the whole purpose. feel the need to do that. But, it, but there's... Or they don't know. A, the there's thing. a lot of fast guys. I mean, right. fast guys that don't know shit. Right. They just know, but they can go faster than hell, but they can't test. They can't tell you where. Just because so you're fast doesn't mean you're a great no, tester. No, it's just like on several. I remember Paul telling you that before. You, 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 you learned that. Change yeah. everything, and they couldn't tell the difference. Well, at the same speed. Well, that's where I started testing for Yamaha at such a young age. I would just be honest. And I'm not being an asshole. You know, I don't come in and go, this thing's a piece of shit that sucks, blah, blah. No. Here's what it's doing, you know, because I, I I got 
as we talked about living in the, the areas that we uh, time that we get is like single drum front brake, the dual action drum front brake to disc brakes to like all the all this evolution yeah, stuff. That's quite an evolution. No, yeah. it's from two shocks to mono shock to linkage to all different stuff. So, it, but it was. It, for me, it was perfect because it was you're painting like like when a kid when you're in school, they give you a fat paintbrush because you can't see the mistakes so much. Then it gets narrower and narrower and narrower. So for me, I was trying triple clamps, and I'm talking, you know, sixty mil forward, back, and this and that. So I could really feel a difference. Nowadays, the guys show up and they're they're these little tiny. I'm like, can't feel that because if you put your foot. Two inches further forward, you just change the weight balance of the bike, and you know, so you think you feel it, but you don't. I mean, I, the Marty Hart story about the thing, and you you feel those things, but but for me, I was able to to test big shit, and then that helped me get yeah. refine my stuff on down the line. But so I want to go back to to your dad, to Daddy, and because we were talking about this over there, the so just. Remember the, the orange, like Dave Golden said, you had to have the orange tank XR if you wanted to win. Because yeah. we were all winning. But the dynamics of the dads, I mean, just between the drinking, the fighting, the the arguing, the, we're talking about John Myers, how Scott Myers would go out with everybody's ass in the first race, and then his dad had to change it. Had to had so so talk about the, that. The, so, the, the race dad. Yeah. Well they're all the race dads. I mean, because between my dad, Daryl Walker. Blevin's dad. I mean, they're they're all completely different personalities. Well, the, the dads were a problem. Uh, to be honest, I don't remember all of the the situation. I remember uh, uh, in one case, I rebuilt an engine, or I, I I gave an estimate to rebuild an engine. And they took it someplace else. And then they brought it to the track because it ran crappy and wanted me to fix their fix it. <laughs> and I questioned, you know, well, can't you take it back to them? Well, they don't they don't want to fix they don't want to talk to me anymore. <laughs> And they just want to and, money. And and so I I uh, well, well I'll tell you this for kid about running out of it. That was one of the deciding factors that caused him just to step away. Because dealing with not the riders, but the dealing the dads, the girlfriends, the wives, the moms, the, the vast majority, you know, I don't think your dad ever caused a problem. See, Daryl. <laughs> no, not, not, you haven't heard the not, story yet. Not really with my dad. No, not with you. He, he loved and, you. And, and, he loved you. And 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 Daryl Walker never did. Yeah. So he had two of the best guys, and when and the, when the dads are supportive there. But after you were gone, factory ride, you know, and I remember we were down at Danny's Machine Works, and uh, you know, I don't want to name names, but there was a few people that wanted they wanted to kind of do what you did. They had supportish rides, and they were bringing, and they wanted to do that. And, Couple guys at the end of the day, I remember I had to tell him because it was just killing him. And I says, "We're just not going to do this anymore. You know, you just need to. We appreciate that you want us to work with you, but it's just it's just destroying our business. Right. And it's just you know you walk in the pits and it's just tension. Yeah, you know, and you just you just don't want to be doing business with people like that. And and, and he, he, he hated he don't want to races anymore. You know, it's just a, and I know that feeling. But I always worked hard not to, to put up with it. 
it, it's, uh, I, I think his worst times would be putting up with that is after the crop of you guys were gone. Yeah, because you, you own, and then you bring you in own new guys. SoCal. Yeah, but you, you, when you have a relationship like he built with your dad and Daryl Walker and, and a number of the other guys, and it was just a foundation, it was different. Yeah. Then you get another guy who's already been five places. Right. He, he thinks, I want my kid to be like Ricky Johnson. Right. And he'll never be able to freaking hold your tennis shoes. Right. You know, that, that's a hard thing to deal with. And I told Leonard, we're not doing these. Right. We, we've never done many quads. And we don't do many motorcycles. I, 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 I don't have enough. Amazing. No, I don't want. I, I, we did trophy carts for years, you know. When, yeah. And I did it because of Marty, because Kyle was doing it, and and we did we did a little group there. We did Beyond. I was doing three Brooks, and I did that little group, and I and I had no problems with it. And for like two or three years, we won almost every race. Yeah. It was great. They moved on, and I seen the new wave coming, and we just stopped doing. Yeah, you know we just don't do it anymore. But I knew I would never have a problem with Marty. That's why I went and did it. And, I, and his kid was a dream. You know, Kyle, the nicest he's, he's kid. kid. And way easier to deal with than Marty. <laughs> you know, but he uh, he just can't. He just can't take it anymore. How do you, did you just teach a lot of schools? Yeah. Did yeah. you have the parent problem there? Oh yeah. So I, I, I can specifically have this one. So I, I was doing classes back in North Carolina. It's basically called Tonka. And I'm teaching, and I got the kids doing a certain drill. The old man runs over the corner before the kid comes back to do the drill. He's yelling at him to do something like, He said, You're paying me to teach a kid. I, I, if you talk to him one more time, you know, then you don't yeah. need me. I'll give you your money back, get out of here, or let me do my job. Let me, I know what he's, and I don't need you. Chipping in his ear, bitching at him because he's not the fastest kid in the class. You know what I mean? That's a, that was the whole thing. The dad wanted to show everybody the kid was faster. I'm like, he needs he needs to be here to learn. You've got to give him a, a platform to learn. Not oh shit, my dad's mad at me because I didn't hit that jump right. This no. And so yeah, you know, dealing with that and dealing with parents and dealing with trainers and whatever the case may be. It just, it's just, it's hard because they, they immediately want to come to you. I was like, I imagine it's way worse now. It's social media. Oh, yeah. Is he, is he going to be the next uh, Ricky Carlin or Jeff Lawrence or whatever? Well, it, it's, it, it, one of the problems is when you're working with brothers and one's faster than the other right. and, and the fathers are just ragging on the slow kid and he most of them didn't even want to be there. Right. And I can remember several instances, and I just felt so sorry for the... You see, it was, it, it's it, just youth sports. I mean, my son was a D1 baseball player in Oregon, and we went through the whole progression from, you know, the 9 to 10 all the way to... And I just watched so many... We stayed with the same coach the whole time. Right. You know, still go the guy today, talk to him all the time. Fantastic man. And I just you know I, I was keeping my son on the same path. And I... His friends, 20, 30 different teams, they play for different coaches, and they never even knew what you know the bat to hold. Right. You know, because they've gotten so many different instructions, and every guy you go to, they want to they want to change something, so they got some ownership. In that. Right. Even if it's even if it's non productive, right? You know, and I see that in cheer. You see every sport you can possibly think of. You just see that stuff, and it's just it's hard not to do that when you're a parent. You know, the hardest thing is to step back and let the coach do his job. You know, because there's not a lot of good coaches too. 
Right. Because sometimes a coach is well, but that yeah. so that on, on the same thing we talked about that is my dad. Let, we, we, I remember we would bring our bikes up here. We would unload them. He didn't tell you what to do to them. I mean, he gave you the parameters of what we could afford and this and that. But he wasn't telling. He wasn't drawing graphs. And I want this. You know, it's just like, yeah, you're you're the you're the motor builder. <clears throat> you know, here's what we can afford. <laughs> Go for it. Several times I had the, that problem where they would want certain things. Uh, that doesn't work with my combination. You know, uh, I taught school for a while on that, and I used to tell them that uh, uh, the basic, the best thing is to get an engine builder and then follow what he wants. From carburation to pipes to whatever, uh, because of the fact that what you want in a, in a carburetor doesn't match the exhaust. Just because the internet says that works doesn't mean it works. Yeah, well, we'll talk about Shelby Levin's dad. Well, you built the whole He he wanted to run a different carburetor, right? And. I didn't work with those. And to do a good job with carburation, especially McCoonies, you've got to have an assortment of jets and slides and needles and everything to make the combination work. And that is time consuming, uh, you know, and also expensive. And the customer doesn't want to pay for all of that extra stuff that you have to have. Yeah. But uh, that and well, they gave me a discount. Well, goddamn, mine was cheaper just without a discount. Right. You know? Yeah. And and if you pinch in pennies, you better not be playing racer because uh, racing was one gets of the struggles of racing in the early days because yeah. it was supported by the industry, which was barely making it anyways. Right. I mean, industry wide, right. you know, they had to support. You probably didn't feel that as much, but a lot of the, the amateur riders out there, you know, with the intermediates and stuff, we're not going to get any sniff from the factory. And they can barely make it. They want the they wanted the dealership to give them a discount. It, it, it's hard, you know. That's one thing I like about trucks. There's no discounts. No, <laughs> you pay and you pay. You pay, you pay a lot. Yep, yep. And you do, and you better go find your money somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's not so good depending if you're on the pay side, but but that brings back to some of the problems that you have in the industry today is. The C rider, the B rider, the A rider—they've conditioned them in the in ATVs, maybe not in motorcycles. To everything deserves a discount, and you know what they've lost in the fact that when you get a discount from a company, you now work for that company, right? And you represent that company. Every portion of your life is taking care of that company. And I just did an Instagram live on this subject, talking about how you need to represent. And I've learned this from Lauren and Dad about sponsorship and about the things that you have to do. I mean, you have to wear that shirt. You have to wear that hat and you have to wear that positive attitude all the time, period. Bar none. You got a bad race? Sorry. I right, still well, now, before you're... You didn't have any sponsor problems, did you? Huh? You didn't have any sponsor problems, did you? Uh, yeah, I mean... But not from just... Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, when I when the relationship ended from one point, it's just like right down with a girl. Yeah, right. You know, it, it 
whatever. It, it's never, oh, this is perfect. You know? But I mean, and all the time, because we, we got to follow you through cycles yeah. every week. What's Ricky doing? You know? yeah. I just remember that for my whole time, because that's the only way you really communicated. But I don't ever you get, remember you ever getting black eyed either. No, I, I did. I made a couple of big mistakes. Not, nothing, nothing too tragic. Um, but I took a different philosophy when it comes to as my job is when I win, it's everybody else's. It's my motor builder. It's my mechanic. It's my well, you know, sponsor agent. It's, team. My, That's it's like everybody. If, when I win, thank everybody. You know, when I lose, regardless if. My you, you my mechanic uh, mechanic's bolt fell out. My tuner too 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 lean and I blew up. And this that when there's a failure, I take it. But you know what? that is that is just such the way to handle it. Is then it's over. They like <laughs> when when they're working at the shop on Tuesday morning, right? And and they don't want to be there. They remember that they're working their ass off for you. Or that guy's got to drive ten more miles, ten more hours to get your shit to the race. Yeah. You know they just think of that. Well, Rusty Wallace said something in his crew. Like, I didn't give all the rest of I'll go on record. He's an asshole. He's <laughs> <laughs> got a problem, but he can find me. Um, but he made a statement that, that run out. He said, I should have won three more championships, but we had too many problems. Emphasize, I should have won. We had problems. You know what I mean? So, yeah, but it all boils back down to did you tell them all the information that they needed to correct this problem, whatever it was? Right. Yeah. No, they come in and say it, it, it pushes like a dump truck. Well, yes. All right, asshole. Does it have a full load of dirt in the back, <laughs> a half a load? So I have to determine your, you know, and then I would listen to. I would go when I was trying to do my NASCAR thing. I would go there and I knew Jeff Gordon and I knew the other Jimmy Johnson that managed Henry Miller Sports. So they would let me, I'd listen to him and Ray Abraham. I listened to him when Jeff was young. And um, then they'd go on to where Martinsville. Gail comes out. Ray says, not word for word, but sounds like working. Well, I'm good, I'm good coming into one, little. Tight through the middle, then I snap Usad on. It's not the brand. Okay, well, what about um, what about right when you blow up? Just something, you know, just dissecting what Jeff is saying. Mm-hmm. And he says, "Okay, bring it in." They do their adjustment, and he goes out races. I get on Rod, Rusty's radio. This piece of shit, blah, blah, I'm just screaming at people. Then he's going, "I want this. I want two turns on my Panama bar." He's just trying to engineer it from the from there. And when you have someone as good. As Robin Pemberton, that guy had me so much faster on a phone call. Fontana, like, literally picked up two seconds because he's going, okay, what's it doing here? What's it doing there? I go back to change this, change that, a little different stuff. But that's back to back to the. No, I know exactly what you're saying. It's just the way that it's just it's the leadership. Yeah. And, and generally, the driver or the rider is the leader. And if you were classy and professional with that, that's the kind of guy that I want to build bikes for. That's right, the kind right. of guy. That's the kind of guy you want to do. That's going to be just, and you know that that guy's got your pack. Yeah. If you do got a problem with somebody, you'll just talk. Yep, you go back. You'll talk. It'll be you and him. If not going to you're not going to tell his wife who tells her wife, and you're going to go man to man talk to that guy and get him sorted out. Yeah, and that's the. And unfortunately, now people get on and yep. chip chip away at you at the social media. I'm like, 
you know, one of my friends, uh, John Alvarez, who I got the, the dog logo from, his son is with dating Ariana Grande and this and blah, blah, blah. And I mean, he just gets, like, he, like people love him or hate him on his Instagram. And, and I learned something from him. I'm like, dude, how do you take all this shit? He goes, I don't look at it. He says, because here's, here's the deal. If you matter to me, you have my phone number. You can call me. If you don't matter to me, you can't call me. So I don't give a shit. I'm like, man. That's, that's genius. That's a, that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So, because like, like I said, if I had a problem with you, I'm I'm two degrees. I can't believe it took you long, that long to find me, but I'm a couple degrees away from, you know, I call yeah. Marty. I'll get you to, I'll do this. I mean, I'll find, I'll find a way to call you and go, hey, I have a problem here. Let's straighten this out. Yeah, totally. You know? And that's, you know, that world's heard from that now. Absolutely. Everything from racing to business to just friendships. Yeah. You know, you just got to man up and, they don't teach the professional portion of it. I mean, not even that. It's 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 parents aren't taking some of the lead in the the, the communication yeah. skills. We just absolutely. Home, but yeah, it's uh, you know. Well, so even I'm it still, ruins a lot of things. I'm still I'm still teaching my kids this, and they're adults. Is like it's okay for us to disagree. Doesn't mean I don't love you. Doesn't mean I don't care about you, but I can disagree with you. I know that you disagree with your dad about different stuff, and you guys have worked through something. And well, no, dad needs to have 0.02 clearance. No, Lord, it needs to have 0.3, whatever the case may be. But you're both, if you realize that you're both trying to get to the same place. And if you be adults, if you get there. Then you're going to, you know what? And so, I, so what I've learned over the years with Charlie Sleevey, with Ryan Lunnis, with, uh, that goes too young. I just, you just, I did what you told me to do back then, you know. And, but is, I don't care who's right. If we win, we all win. But I'm going to give you my ideas and my philosophy. Yeah, because we're all out there for that purpose. Exactly. You know, and then, but you don't everybody always have that. You, don't you don't always go in that dugout and everybody's the same. You don't always go, go in the pits and everybody feels that same energy. Right. You know, you just, I've been in pits where, you can just feel the tension, and you have been there five minutes. And then there's pits that you just you just you just get pumped right then. Well, the big thing is when you've got a rider with a good attitude or a driver with a good attitude, and you feel like you have a chance to win. That's kind of the theme of the whole team. Yeah, you but, feel like you got a chance to win. Yeah, it's, it's priceless. Yeah, because you've probably not really been on that team because you could always win even with lesser equipment, but. When you've got a mid-level driver or mid-level rider, and they can never win, how do you how do you get inspired? Yeah, how do you have no ideas in between? Yeah, but sometimes when you go to the races, you got to massage the rider because he needs some kind of. I had one. If I didn't ride the bike and change the timing, he was a wreck. He couldn't do anything. Yeah, I've had that, and so I. Get on the bike, ride it the hell out where you couldn't see me. Uh, I'd take the point cover off because he'd always want to see you. <laughs> and then hold it all back, run back, flip the throttle a few times, says, ah, it runs bitch. Well, then, you know, that's part of the mechanics, or like you had it with all your mechanics. Yeah. I'm sure they had a little relationship. They knew your quirks. Yeah. You know, and like Marty, every practice, every, every first practice you ever rode, the bike was just not good. Everyone, no matter what, it was perfect. It was never not happening. So, and I never took a personal after I got to know that, right. you know. And I'm sure your 
mechanics over the years to tell us some stories. Oh, yeah. Move the handlebars up, move the handlebars back, move the handlebars up, move the handlebars back. <laughs> I think all racers, because of all the different guys that I've got to work There's with. so much, since we've raced a little bit, yeah. the stress that, that you guys have got to be feeling and the anxiety to just go out and you know, jump that trip. Well, well I can remember when I was racing, from the pits to the starting line, that motorcycle weighed a ton. Is all I could do to push it to the line. The minute the flag dropped, we're it's a different world. Yeah, who cares? Yeah. You're, you're, in your, you're in your perfect spot. That's the thing. Yeah. Well, life life disappears. All the yeah. bullshit disappears, and you're you're focused. And you, but, but you, you've also found that and be working on working on stuff. Yeah, but you don't have that. You do have. There's a lot of pressure when you are <clears throat> building somebody. Building engines or building bikes for somebody of your caliber, it's a lot easier to do it for a slow guy. Because you know, you can and, and I give it the same effort. Yeah. I don't care if it's 29th place or first. But when you're doing bikes for somebody who, if it doesn't have a problem, is going to probably win or be right there, there's a lot more pressure on that. Yeah. A lot more pressure. Yeah. I'm sure your mechanics felt that over the years. Oh, yeah. It's a lot different than, than the 10th place guy to the first place guy. It is. It is. I mean, I've been blessed to have worked on multiple different guys in the in the different phases of racing that I've got to do, and I've also been blessed with one at all of those right. in all of those different categories. And yeah, it's it's tough. It's really tough. Uh, the, the stress when you are coming close to the end of the year, the points are tight, and if you make a mistake. You just ate the season. Yeah. Exactly. Did you see a lot of that in the car racing? Oh, yeah. The, yeah. the higher up, the more stress. The yeah. We're all about, you know, well, paper. So for me, every every race is a Super Bowl. Like I'm 50, 58 years old, you know, and, uh, next week or two weeks, whatever. Um, before the 500, you know, Crap three times, adrenaline's starting to hit, I'm sick to my stomach, I'm, you know, because I, I don't, I don't look like an asshole and I don't want to, I don't want to let everybody down. And I felt that way from the time I was that, you know, part of it is I was instilled in my dad. My dad was, you know, done with an iron fist and you know, it was pretty hard on me and stuff, but it did make me race to win all the time. Like I always want to, and, and you don't always win, but you can always put your best foot forward. Like at the 500, we did end up winning, but I had I had a great race. Like everything was going just the way I wanted. I was putting a minute, a minute, a minute. I was like, everything was going perfect. All of a sudden, the TK or the front dip starts leaking. So we're stopped. We're there for 10 minutes trying to fill it up through the breather, and the competition goes by, and I'm like, oh. But then, then I get back into race mode, go chase the guy down, you know, go back and forth. So it's 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 been the same for me, and it's. But as you said, as soon as the green flag drops, all of all of the coulda, shoulda, I could, you know, go. You feel the same anxiety in a truck that you did on TV? Absolutely. Really? Yeah. I, I, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to look bad. Like, and, and I don't, not that I think that I have to look good. I just know I, like. Well, you don't me, look bad right now. What do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, 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 I look at all the work that people do to get me there. You know, I mean, like when I was racing for Honda, I looked at how much money was spent on a contract, how much money and effort was spent on testing, and the suspension guy, and Roger DeCoster, Dave Arnold, and all these different things. And if I go out and, as, and just do something stupid, you know, overjump something, 
break a wheel like they did in 82, um, let off too soon and get, get smoke on the start, whatever, whatever it is. I, I took that very serious about, I, literally, I'd be in San Diego and Braun Machine would beat me. I'm like, son of a bitch. But my friends, we had Braun Machine, Cab, Brock Lover, Kevin, and the dog, we had our friends. I'm like, Braun Machine's friends are going to get to give shit to my friends because he's beating me here. You know, and I'm like, so people think you think that? I'm like, yeah, because it's women alcohol. And it does happen. <laughs> it's very incestual, you know, back uh, neighborhood. So, but yeah, a lot of crazy shit went on out here. I want to go back to a question to the orange tank bikes. Yep. How much of that foundation in those early years roll into your racing now? I mean, because you had a a great foundation with winning with a, with a program that was proven. How does that all fit in with where you ended up? So, A lot because of this is that we there was two camps. There was actually three camps with PK and Jimmy Hawley and those guys. But there was Mission VA and Ohana with Brad Detroit and, and Jeff Ward. And the powder blue. Yeah, I remember those. The powder blue, yeah. J and B. And, and Myerskopf was right Yeah, Myerskopf was yeah. there too. And then <clears throat> and my dad saw that. We went to the World Mini Grand Prix because that's when we had gray bikes. You see, like, like that XR has got the gray tank, and my dad did it like a husky. And Your dad was a painter. Yeah, my dad painted all the bikes. Yeah. Okay. And so then he goes, God, we need to do something. And I don't know where he came up with that orange, which is that orange yeah. right yeah. there. Because you know, my triumphs were orange tank. Okay, so that's orange. so that's where he got the idea. So then he painted, painted everything because my dad believed in your dad and Danny's stuff and believed in me and Steve and Warren and, and Wes Koenig and you know just all the yep. all the guys from down here. So my dad kind of took this on as we're gonna make them look like we're gonna look better than them too. And so that's when we did the orange the orange bikes. Because they stood out. I mean you see us on the track yep. you know a mile away. And uh so having that in a way it's pressure. You know, from reading mini cycle action, and there's Jeff Ward and Mike Brown, and you know, all of Jimmy Hawley and all these guys. And I'm like, oh shit, how am I gonna beat them? You know, but having knowing that I had the power to go the whole shot and beat them, you know, and then my dad was always about making things look nice. You know, that was where he was that's, at. That's him, yeah, <laughs> make everything look, make everything look vicious. So that set a foundation for me as part of a team, even though I was in 911. Steve was in 12 and over. Scott Myers was in 12 and over. Shelby Blevins was in 9 to 11 for a little bit, but I had him, I had his number most of the time. You know, he, he did good. You were probably the fastest 9 to 11 guy in the whole country. Yeah. I, 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 but I was, I started, I went from uh, four corners novice to expert once again in three months. Yeah. But that, I wrote every day. You know, I mean, I had the perfect, I come home from school. Obviously, I was doing homework. There's, there's a lot of guys in my interview. <laughs> that's not the only thing you gotta have. Well, you had to have some heart and some desire to go that fast and to, to succeed. Well, take the beating, just like you guys in football. I mean, there's a difference between a guy that really gets the shit knocked out of him and comes back harder versus a guy that gets shit knocked out of him. He's like, oh, I'm gonna put somebody else in football. Well, you, yeah, you, you, you can't be scared. Like, when you jump, yeah. you're, never, you're never scared. Yeah. You know, I'd be thinking about it and that's not what's gonna happen. That hesitation, that hesitation will kill you every time. So, so to answer your question, Lenny, is that being on that team gave me a sense of pride, you know, because we were 
the Orange Wrecking Crew from El Cajon. Myers was from South Bay, but everybody else was over here, you know. And we all had all of our shit built, our shit, all of our stuff built right here. Yeah, cold. Yeah, like, right up Lakeside. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that 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 foundation is what I believe drives Lauren and I. Um, and, and you have to give Lauren so much credit because his business sense and some of the decisions that have been made, I obviously am not the boss. Uh, I, I'm the guy that I need this done. This is what has to happen. You know, hand me a, a, a build list and it's done. Yeah. I didn't get to make some of the behind the scenes decisions. As we've evolved or as the company's evolved, he asked me more and more questions all the time about how to do things or what my opinion is. Um, and I think so much of what I see in my father comes right there. Lauren's, Lauren's tenacity to take care of it. And maybe some of our competitiveness comes more from our mom because dad is not the most aggressive guy in the world. There's going to be a problem. He's not the guy. He's not guy leading the charge. You know, <laughs> he, he he's oh, usually here to fix oh, it. Your ass a couple times. <laughs> really? Oh yeah, he, he he took care of that part. But, you know, there's just so much to it that relates back to why it's evolved the way that it has. Well, yeah, and like I remember. The shop right across right across the way from Dave's Custom Boats next to Tom's Tom Sturbo's. Thirty years. Yeah, you were right. You were right there, and that's what I remember. It was like because I kind of I didn't kind of disappear. I just you know did was doing my thing. You were doing your thing, and we kind of reattached. I'm like, holy shit, Lord, you, you're a businessman too. <laughs> like because when when I sort of left, like you were you were going through your rowdy stage. You were getting fights, and, and you you got was, big. I was still playing football. And you know, the, you were you were living the the life of what an excelling young boys from Lakeside did. You know, you'd go out, chase girls, and get in fights. And so, but you you were never sideways with me, and you know, no. ever. But I can remember when you had a different look in your eye. You know what I mean? And but we all go through our. You did too. Um, <laughs> so, but but. But but that doesn't make you a bad guy because you, you weren't you weren't victimizing people you were looking for worthy opponents to go slow around. And have yeah, fun. it was different. Right, it's a different time now. But you went from being someone that I grew up with as a racer, you know, and then but you didn't take racing as serious as I did. No, well, I didn't have skill. I was as good as you. I probably would have done it. But you know what I mean, though. So yeah. so it's like so then when you got into football and started going that route. That's where that was the, not, not a disconnect, but you were playing football and yeah. I was racing motorcycles. Yeah. I then, told you we would follow you through the cycle. Yeah. Because it'd come out every week and then we could see what you were doing because you, you were talk, there was no cell phones. No. You know, you weren't no internet. internet. Thank God. <laughs> I'm just so grateful there wasn't picture phones back when I was there. <laughs> we all are. I'm, I'm in jail. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, yeah, the evolution is, is so great uh, with all of it. The fact that we did watch Cycle News so much. Yeah. I mean, we couldn't wait for that to come out, to get that information. And like I told you earlier, I think before we started talking, most people didn't realize that we knew you. 
yeah. actually knew you yeah. and uh, spent time with you in, in your life and that our dad yeah. built your stuff. Um, I tell one of the stories, uh, I was standing at the counter when one of the guys on the Yamaha team that was working with you, I don't know the name, yeah. uh, brought a cylinder in and he, he's talking to Dad. He goes, Ricky said that you're the guy that can fix this. We're having this problem. We don't know why. At the X point in the moto, this is what's going on. And hands him a cylinder head and piston. And he does some work to it, gives it back, solved the problem. Yeah. That's the air cool bikes that would start pinging him out halfway through the race. Right. And, yeah. and he gave him a solution and it, it solved the problem. And when you tell these stories to people, they don't believe them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, that's the thing is I, I, I never believe the hype of, you know, of who I am. You know, it's like, I'm just, I'm that kid. I'm, I'm 58 years old, but I'm that kid that just wants to go fast on a, on, on a mini bike. You know, so someone's like, oh, but the, the people put me in a, in a position that you didn't ask for. And there are, there are a lot of people. And I went through, I'm going to say I went through my arrogant stage, you know, when you start to get some really yeah. kind of miss your childhood a little up. I mean, because you raced. Yeah. You, you, you just raced. I raced all the time. Yeah, and you didn't really go out and do kid stuff. No, but... but uh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I can remember. <laughs> you come in off of a moto and parked your bike, and me and somebody else was standing there uh, talking, and there's a big pile of soft dirt. You're out there with your little cars <laughs> playing in the sand. And I thought, goes like son of a bitch and proves he's still a little kid, yeah. you know, because you were enjoying yourself playing in the, yeah. in the dirt. And uh, I remember that for years, you know. Uh, but as a racer, you, you have to be tough at a young age. I remember my first big crash. You remember yours? Like the one that the one that made you question if you're yeah, again. I remember the first time I was scared because I'm going across the desert with it pinned, and I'm thinking this is faster than I'm going to go. So I rolled the throttle off a little bit, and a wheel come up under, and then you know, and I thought I can't shut off. <laughs> I can't see where I'm going. It was in the dust up at the in the desert. Yeah. Up in LA area, and it just scared the shit out of me because uh, I I was way over my head and and, uh, and I couldn't shut off. That took too. So now that's the where I'm a little different animal. I didn't I didn't, I would just think to go fast, but when you do hit the ground really hard, like my first hard crash was at Lakeside Sampa. I went over the top, and I was doing like trying to do a cross up. I think I was nine years old. And I high sided, and when I hit the ground on the other side, you know, you make that, uh, that, that sound, that, that terrible sound. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, if you're trying to cry, breathe, all these different things. And, and I just thought, oh, shit. It's like, first time a woman breaks your heart, you're like, I don't know if I ever want a girlfriend again. You know? yeah. And I cry in the back of the truck, yeah. and my dad's like, so are you done? I'm like, you know, no, give me a minute, I'll, I'll come back. And that's the thing is, you have to. You learn to, even though you're a little kid, like I see these little kids, these little mini bike kids, 
they're tough as nails. I mean, they're just so fearless. And then, but but they've been busting their ass since well, they're little. I used to categorize that as they when some of those little guys were so goddamn fast. And just, they haven't fallen off, fallen off yet. <laughs> That's a test because if they fall off and get back up and go fast again, they'll be okay. But some of them don't go fast again. Well, that was my dad. With my, I used the same Jedi mind bullshit game on my son Luke as my dad did with me. So it worked. Yeah, it worked. And I could tell that Luke was the same animal. And so he crashed with little. I mean, he was probably five or six. He take heads shake and eat shit and comes up and he's crying I look at him and he's not but he's still scratched up you know at the bed he's crying with dad I pick him up okay this thing on like he's not you know we'll kind of stop crying I said okay well if you're hurt then we gotta quit riding I gotta take you to the hospital and he's like yeah he keeps crying gets on his bike and rides off <laughs> he rides a couple laps I can hear him crying then he stops crying comes back he's got trails you know, from the tears down the dirt in his cheeks, smiles back. Like, for God, you know, good racers have a very short memory. They <laughs> have to. Yeah, you have to because you're, you're one second from death, you know, the whole, your whole time. But, uh, but yeah, so just being a kid, to, to get back to you, is like, I've never changed being that guy. So is it more stressful or nerve-wracking for you to go race, to go to the line, or to watch one of your horses? my kids. So, I have my poor wife, because there was a time when Luke and I were both on Team C, the all-wheel drive trophy truck, and we were crushing it. We, were, we had the Paul 1000 uh, 50 miles ago. The assembly problem, the front wheel fell off. He did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. We were, we were going to win the Paul 1000 together. And my wife's at home on computers and doing yeah. this and doing that. And... Because with me, like he just raced the, the, what they call the Baja Nevada last week. You know, I'm pissed off. Like, I'm like, the team's not texting me. I want them to tell me he's through pit four, he's through pit five. You know, let me know because I'm sitting here and visualize bad things. You visualize them crashing by themselves in the middle of the desert, no one there to save them. Because even though he's a 30 year old man now, he's still my baby boy. Okay? Yeah, right. And so, so to answer your question, it is way more nerve wracking for me. You know, like I was racing a truck one time and he was racing a bike with uh, Jose Carrasco and I got off the thing. I'm like, has Luke checked in yet? You know, because I've been out there on the bike. It's, it's a scary place, yeah. you know? And so you get people off the call and everything was good. You know, so it's good. Does he understand how important it is to relay those messages to you and your wife? Was his mom chews his ass out. <laughs> he's learned it the hard way. Like, you son of a bitch. Like, oh, my baby's hurt. When he, when he calls, you son of a bitch. We've been waiting, blah, blah. You know, but he's really good about it. And I, I try to do the same because I'm so sympathetic, especially when we were on two different teams racing in Baja. And my wife's trying to watch both of our numbers. Like, every time you see the numbers stop. Yeah, there you're freaking out. Yeah, you, you don't know there. If it just didn't ping or that was in a corner or they're changing the tire or whatever you think, you visualize the worst stuff. So so he is much better at getting much, much better at it. The bike versus the truck for him. I mean, we never got to follow much of, of his motorcycle career. I, I pulled him out of it early. He, 
he loved riding. All my kids just adored riding. And all of them rode from really young ages. I got them a Honda Z50 and held the rope and let them ride around. And, you know, then put them in, we made a little uh, field back in North Carolina for them to cruise around and stuff. And uh, then Luke, Luke's problem was he would get too confident and he would he'd bust his ass. And so, I was afraid that he, he's gonna he's gonna excel, he's gonna get confident, he's gonna get hurt, yeah. and he's gonna learn, and he's gonna excel and get hurt. Problem is, how do you on a motorcycle with these big jumps stuff like that? What's gonna what's he what's gonna be a broken neck? What's gonna be a broken back? What's gonna be this? What's gonna be a debilitating injury? And for oh, and for what? Scary. Because he was a bigger kid, he wasn't gonna be a supercross racer. This that's all. He started doing well and, and started riding Amateur 125 and stuff. And then, ironically, on a mountain bike, once again, got on confident, hit some sandbags on a trail, broke both of his arms, collarbone, road rash, terrible boots. He was shoes down with, I mean, for should have killed him. It was a bad, bad, bad mountain bike crash. Well, he's got two casts and this and that. And I'm like, can you say it to him? I go, we're done. We're done racing. So that's, that's immediately, I went and bought a side by side. Because I'm like, if you if you want to do this and you want to race, you can do it. And so he ended up going to the camp, uh, uh, not even my, um, the, the, the fab school. Because he's, he, he's way smarter than me, but he he's not a four-year degree guy. He's a hands-on, you know, loves fabricating mechanic. He's really, really good. Like, he's a tradesman. Exactly. 100% tradesman. And that, that's... Tradesman's got a bad rap. I mean, that, I, we, need, we need a lot more tradesmen in, in our world. You know, because they fix shit. And so he, I said, what do you want to do? I want to do that. So so if you want to race because you want to race and you love racing, you're going to learn how to build it. Because if if you have just a job doing something, you can build a a 10 car, a 16 car. So if you want want to race because you love racing and you want to race because you want to be famous. Because the only way you're going to be famous in off-road is if you got your dad or you have millions and millions and millions of disposable income. You know, and you're probably going, son, that's not us. Sorry. No, it's not. You, know, you, you did not get blessed with a rich dad. <laughs> a good dad, but not that. So with, with his, he started doing that. And now he's building and running a shop and prepping race cars and still races. And does very well and works with me on the mechanic side. Our other son went to, was a degree guy, uh, won a championship at CSU playing lacrosse. Yeah. Love that. Played in junior high, high school, went, went back to Bridgeton, Maine. The postgraduate academy, I didn't know what those were until I found out later. <laughs> and, um, then went to CSU, won a championship, was the captain of the team, you know, did all the different stuff. And then our daughter, who also rode and had a good time, but she went towards the marketing side, worked at Red Bull for a while. Now she's now she's a cowgirl right now. She, <laughs> she's taking a little time off to, to, to go still be a cowgirl with some of it. That's, you know, I guess the, my, my, my point is I didn't, I didn't want Luke. To, to go to the pro motorcycle now. You know, things can happen in a car. You can get impelled, you can kill and burn. You can, there's a lot of bad things. Whenever you're going that fast, and there's a reason why you have a neck support on and a helmet and a flame suit and all this crazy shit, because bad things can't happen. But the odds of him getting hurt really bad in a car versus versus a bike is complete. You're so exposed on a motorcycle. And don't get me wrong. There's so many lessons that you need to learn on a motorcycle or a quad or something like that because your body plays a big a, a portion of it, you know? 
I'm 50% of the equation. So it's like motorcycles, it's 80% rider, 20% bike. Cars, it's 80% truck, 20%, maybe 90% truck, 10%. Not saying that well, it's your mind. But as a father, when he was racing, uh, the XRs had kind of run their course, and the Yamahas, uh, Canada Cs, my my XRs couldn't keep up with him. Well, he was in points that the next race would have put him in the expert class, and I thought they went too fast. Right. So. Against his wishes, I made him ride the XR in the stalker class instead of the Yamaha. And he damn near won, won the race. But uh, if it hadn't been for some down riders, he reckon won, won the race on his XR against the, uh, the Yamaha. But when it's your kid out there, it's totally different than it's somebody else's kid out there. Yeah. I mean, you... I, and I had this at Honda too when I was with Dave Long and Roger Gatasha. I mean, had O'Meara, Bailey, and myself were all the top three guys. I mean, we were one, two, three in every series. Super Thrust, Super Diablo, and all that stuff. And yeah, just. Did you guys get along? No. Um, <laughs> David, David and Johnny did. They were a team, and I was off to myself. But I, my mechanic, Martin Lannis, was. He was a prick, and he, he was like, he was just a dude that way. He just grinds. So, man, those guys, like, blah, blah, blah. You got to kick their ass. And so he was, he took the place of my father. He fed it. Right. But back then, I, even though I was a kid, I never felt like you, because you were closer with Daryl Walker and you started with Steve, I never felt like, oh, you, you like them more than me. You know what I mean? You you treated me with the same respect and my stuff with the same respect as you did Steve and Scott and Shelby and and your own side. I never felt like... Well, actually, he got the short end of some of the deals because <laughs> yeah. I was so busy working on everybody else's... Yeah, that's hard to do. It's hard to make sure you take care of everybody. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's what, more than one writer. What isn't necessarily the best thing. Yeah. What saved his ass is... His mother came to the races one day and, and watched him and says, if, if you're going to do this, do it right. He needs an XR because he was riding that little SL. SL yeah. And so. Now, was that SL? And, was that your SL or was that no, Steve's? No, that was Steve's. And part of the deal of Steve getting the ride through Valley was I could take that SL and because I didn't have any money. And so I worked on the SL. Which it was way too heavy to be a race bike. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that big national where we went up to Indian Dunes. In, in, no, not Indian Dunes. Uh, the other one, just as you Saddleback? turn Saddleback. We went to a big race up there, and out of all the team, his bike wouldn't run, and. I couldn't get it started, or he couldn't get it started on the starting line, and that's when uh, when his mother decided that uh, whatever it took to get him a, a race bike. And that's I never had I never had those issues uh, because we rode the MRs and I, I rode the MR fifties and I was younger than all you guys. Um, that was there. That's a saddleback. That's that's what we were talking about. 
Yeah. You were right in the XR80, I mean the XR60 there, and they confiscated the bike. Yep. They thought it was fuel. Yeah. I can remember we were, I was standing way up on the side of the hill. And I always wondered, what did you think when they come out and took the bike away from you? Me? Yeah. I, I thought I was in trouble. Like, my dad was going to beat the shit out of the official because they grabbed me. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was they physically yeah. jerked you off the bike and took the bike because they thought it was a cheater. A, a cheater. Because you were so goddamn far in front of second place. <laughs> so, and that was the thing. So, I'm like, what did I? I'm like, I didn't hit anybody. I didn't jump the gate. I didn't do anything wrong. Why am I? Like, literally, when that guy put his hands on me, my dad was going to beat the little shit out of him. And then you came over and I, because then I was like, we kind of had a little trick. Your dad stepped on. I was like, don't, don't touch, don't touch one of my rappers like that. And right. like, this thing's a cheater. And he's like, okay, pull apart. <laughs> let's, yeah. just, let's figure it out. If you're yeah. going to do it, let's do this. Yeah. Right. And it's because it's faster than yours. It doesn't mean it's a cheater. Exactly. Well, the story he tells about uh, when they were tearing one of Steven's bike, bikes apart, the guy hands dad the money to tear it apart. And dad turns around to Daryl and says, go buy the beer. And they hadn't even taken it apart yet. You know, uh, and the guy's just like, I, I, you know, all pissed because. Was it 50 bucks or something back then to protest somebody? 25. 25, yeah. Anyway, when we pulled the head off, you know, he says, I want to look at that. And I put a towel over and I says, you didn't pay to look at that. You paid for boring stroke and be my guest measure. Yeah. But I was, they talked me into being uh, the tech inspector, and Ananachi was the, uh, the cheater, supposedly. And it was first time I ever done it, the last time I done it, but I pulled it down, and uh, there's no gaskets in it. Yeah, I remember that. It was a stock that's pulled the gaskets out. Yeah, the and he says, well, you can't do that? And I says, no, you can't do that. <laughs> I remember that. That was a Brown Oaks. Yeah. And, uh, and remember it, I thought he was going to be a lot more pissed, but I think he knew he was cheating to start with. He says, well, my mechanic, it was my mechanic's idea. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at atvtalkpodcast.com. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industries building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all the available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.